0: You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the second hour of Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Show as always brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is a gorgeous Friday here in downtown toronto i hope the weather's lovely wherever you are listening however you may be listening one of our favorite guests and we don't chat with him as much during the off season but there's a lot going on in the nfl nfl writer for the athletic it is mike sando good afternoon mike thank you so much for joining the show today
2: yeah doing doing well here thanks for having me
1: where is by the way where is uh, your location where, where, where I have no it's so funny I talked to so many guests from all across Canada and the United States half the time I have no idea where they're talking from
2: yeah so I'm in the Seattle area I grew up in Northern California uh, but I've been on the west coast of the US for a long time so yeah that's where I'm coming from I, years ago I'd covered Seahawks in the late 90s and, and the 2000s and then I went to ESPN I've been at the athletic for almost four years but I haven't had to move because in this world nowadays, they don't care as much where you're at, right? So I've just stayed here, raised yeah. a family in the Northwest, and, and no regrets.
1: Brilliant. Okay. Um, you mentioned Seattle, so we're going to talk all about uh, Russell Wilson. But we're going to call you right back, Mike. Your phone line is sort of cutting in and out a little oh, bit. So my oh, producer. no problem.
2: I'll text your guy in different to call me on. Okay. Here we go. Oh,
1: okay, perfect, perfect. I love it. We're we're doing we're we're doing uh, on air producing on air, which, by the way, I am all for. I am a big fan of pulling back the curtain. So we'll get Mike Sando back on, and yeah, the 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 the, the big story is that uh, Russell Wilson apparently the uh, there is reports coming out there now. Russell's Russell Wilson's camp is denying it, uh, but that he tried to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired um, and asked Seattle's ownership to fire the head coach and the general manager in February of 2022. Weeks after that, he was the one traded to Denver, and both those gentlemen still remain in their job, and they did make the playoffs last year in that crazy run with Geno Smith. So we'll ask him about that. So, Mike, why don't we just start uh, there? We'll start on the the good city of Seattle. Uh, what can you tell us? Because it was reported from you guys what is like uh what is going on with this story about Russell Wilson trying to pull a Kevin Durant?
2: Well, I think we've seen in the last few years that the relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks was on a little bit rocky ground. There were uh reports in each of the previous at least two, maybe longer off seasons that you know, he didn't see eye to eye with Pete Carroll. He wanted more of a pass-oriented offense, those sorts of things. So If you take what what we reported, that this kind of culminated uh, in February of 22, that would be one year ago, with Russell Wilson kind of in frustration going to Seahawks ownership to uh, try to have the head coach, Pete Carroll, and general manager, uh, John Schneider, replaced. Uh, Then after that, what would have happened? Remember, the scouting combine is late February. So that's where, after the owner of the Seahawks decided not to get rid of the coach and GM. Uh, the leadership of the Seahawks met with the leadership of the Broncos to work out a trade. Uh, and then first week or so of March last year, the trade happened. And then our story picks it up in week one, 2022 season, Denver at Seattle. Schedule makers know what they're doing, right? They, they put the Seahawks <laughs> against their former quarterback. And then before the game, Russell Wilson comes out on the field and he's seen you know, talking to and embracing all these people except for for the head coach, Pete Carroll. They're, they had sort of an awkward kind of embrace after the game, handshake embrace, but none of those pleasantries you would expect, and I think you can probably understand why, because of yep. the way that it ended there uh, uh, in Seattle. And then the story goes on to, you know, get into some of the issues that were in denver which russell wilson was part of but certainly there was a lot of things going on there uh, from injuries to uh, coaching staff to, to everything that made his first season in denver much less successful than anyone could have anticipated
1: oh god yeah i remember that first game all everyone was uh, was betting on denver and Geno Smith, really? This guy, and wow, what a season those two teams had! I think one of the takeaways from all of this, because you know there'll be denials and this was fabricated, and there'll be there'll be spin on this, is good on Pete Carroll and Seattle and whoever to keep this story quiet for so long. I mean, every now and then there's always this you know little story here or there that oh Russell Wilson wants to throw more and Pete Carroll wants to run more, but. They win a Super Bowl, they go back to another one, they do plenty of winning. Whatever the animosity was going on, it felt like it was kept kind of under wraps.
2: Yeah, I think it really came to a crescendo the last few years because, uh, you know, remember early in Russell Wilson's career, they really were, he was good, but they were a defense and run game, win win the game that way, and Russell Wilson could do great in two minutes, but it wasn't really on his shoulders all the time. Uh, and I think what happened in the more recent years was, hey, you know, the defense wasn't going to be historically great the whole time. Marshawn Lynch, the tremendous running back, uh, you know, retired. They had injuries at running back. And, and so Russell at that time matured and kind of came into his own and was seen as a top tier quarterback. So he has always had uh, big plans for himself, right? He's always wanted to be, you know, the next Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and kind of inherit that Drew Brees mantle where, hey, the offense goes through me, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of about me, right? I'm the, I'm the CEO quarterback. And I think the Seahawks were ultimately willing to go only so far because Pete Carroll wants to win with defense and running game. still. He wants an efficient quarterback. He doesn't want to go through you know, the quarterback. So in Denver, they kind of embraced the, hey, well, you know what, we'll get you Aaron Rodgers' old coach here, Nathaniel Hackett, and uh, we'll make it about you. and. Now, after yeah. one year, that's over, <laughs> and I think Sean Payton. We'll see what Sean Payton does. I mean, he's an excellent coach, uh, but he always had a good running game for Drew Brees too. So, yeah, maybe he can get and, the uh, most out of Russell Wilson.
1: And maybe a lot of it just comes down to having Javante Williams healthy, and 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 we'll and we'll see. You know, it's funny; like it's it's a lot easier right now, and just some of the the press, uh, some of the meet uh, press reports, and some of the. Um, uh, Russell Wilson talking after losses and the let's ride like Russell Wilson is weird. He became a bit of a punching bag. But I think overall, I'd, I'd love to see him back to the peak form because it was a fun version yeah. of of, uh, of Russell Wilson. If we want to continue to spin the wheel of what the hell's going on where with them when it comes to quarterbacks, and we're joined by Mike Sando, NFL writer for The Athletic. I'm, I'm so curious. I think you are as well as what happens with Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. Uh, on the one yeah. level, the guy won an MVP, and when he's been healthy, Baltimore does a lot more winning than losing. And you can also say the the Ravens—they're like dead last in the NFL over his years in terms of the money they spent on receiver. So they never fully gave oh, yeah. him enough weapons around him. But then the other side is the um, just uh, not just how aloof that he was, being away from the team, always getting you know getting injured a lot. Like there are both red there are red flags on giving Lamar Jackson all the guaranteed money but then on the other level there's the big red flag of you want to be one of those teams that has the answer who you got at quarterback. I'm curious Mike where you where you fall on all things uh Ravens yeah. and Lamar.
2: Yeah, I think it's a very difficult situation because they're obviously much better with him. The points you made about the receiving core, no doubt about it. I mean, they haven't given him the best chance to be, uh, you know, a more consistent passer. But at the same time, that's almost a result of he has such special gifts as a runner. You lean into that. You build your whole offense around it with the run game. You can't have everything, right? <laughs> so they've had a good defense and special teams and all these things that help you win the game. But – as a quarterback, when a quarterback has great success early in his career, uh, it's natural for him to want to uh, you know, have it be more about him as a passer, right, and, and all of that. So you have a defensive or special teams head coach and John Harbaugh. You have an organization that I think was willing, has been willing to pay, uh, to pay Lamar Jackson but not give him the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal. So there's a lot of – it's complicated – If you're Lamar Jackson, why shouldn't you ask for the Deshaun Watson deal? You should, right? Because uh, you've been better than Deshaun Watson, certainly more recently, uh, and you're not in trouble with all these off-the-field things. You've been a model citizen. So he should ask for it, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it.
1: And I, I do wonder if you just if we look at the history of roster building and teams and, and how teams have won. And again, it's another reason why why Patrick Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback. You know, you pay him all the money, you lose the, one of the best receivers in the game, and they still have the best passing game in town and win the Super Bowl. That's what elite truly looks like. Um, and yeah. by the way, I'm not saying oh shame on Lamar Jackson for not being Patrick Mahomes because we could say that about 30 other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But I do wonder the dangers of giving a guy who the last three, four years, he's missed a lot of games, 33 touchdowns to 20 interceptions, to give him 250 million in guaranteed money. I understand why Baltimore is that hesitant. What everybody
2: hopes to have is the feeling of almost partnership that Kansas City enjoys with Patrick Mahomes and Buffalo enjoys with Josh Allen, where yeah. those guys got really good contracts, but the contracts weren't a story unto themselves, right? I mean, Mahomes got the whatever, 10 years, 500 million, but, but there's a lot of flexibility to wiggle room for the team within that, right? He's going to get his money. He'll probably redo the deal along the way and get even more. But it really wasn't about him being able to come off the contract and say, I got the best one ever, right? So there's a little bit of give by him, with the understanding and trust of the organization that we're going to do everything we can with our coaching, with our, the players around you, uh, to give you the best chance to really uh, do it. Right. And I think, uh, you know, in the case of Lamar Jackson, uh, it hasn't gone as smoothly along those lines lately for, for a range of reasons. I think one of the really underrated factors in all this was the pandemic. You know, when how much time was spent away from the team by everybody at a real formative time of his career? And so we're wondering why are these fractures appear to be there. I think there's a lot of those types of things at play. The other thing is uh, Lamar Jackson does not have an agent. And I think when you have an agent, uh, certainly you can do a deal on your own, but when you have an agent, things become less personal, right? Yes, that agent, yeah. that agent can go to the team and That agent can go to the GM of the team and say, you guys are high. What are you thinking? And that agent can go to his client and go, look, we're not getting that, right? You can have an honesty level. Whereas if you remove that and those people try to say those things to each other, <laughs> it's personal. And I think yeah. that's a, another challenge on top of this uh, for the Ravens that they have to navigate. So uh, I think it's going to be difficult. I think it'll be franchise tags. I think there'll be talks of potential trades. Uh, and I, I think they are having a hard time really connecting with him.
1: And part of that is, you're right, needing an agent. I It always felt like a red flag, and it sounds like, oh, good for you, having complete, excuse the wordplay here, agency of your career financially. But, man, yeah. there is advantages, uh, certainly, of having one. Um, Mike, I'm curious. I feel that if Derek Carr goes to the Jets, it will be a wild failure. Do I think that yeah. because it's the Jets – Or do I – you tell me why I'm feeling this. Is it because I just don't trust what the Jets do, or is it because of Derek Carr?
2: I think it'll it'll – a little bit of both. But I think that wherever Carr goes, it could end up just being a disappointment anyway, uh, uh, for the most part. I think the the expectations of the Jets, uh, you know, Carr's personality in that market where there's so much scrutiny doesn't seem like a great fit. Um, I do think he's a good quarterback, but I think he also sort of leaves you wanting in the end. Um, the interesting thing about the Jets, let's just play a little devil's advocate to, to what we're saying yeah. about it, would be disappointed there. Is if you go statistically and look at the Raiders since 2014, they're number 32 in the league in statistically in combined defense and special teams. Okay. The one year they were sort of average, they went 12 and 4 with Del Rio. All right. So if you were to put him on a team with the Jets, and let's just say the Jets were top five in that component defense special teams, again, like they were this year, they were top five teams, certainly top ten, uh, maybe then you would see with Carr, uh, maybe they would win 10, 11 games, right? So, uh, I I do think that, I do think Carr has some limitations that will ultimately leave you wanting more. But I think if you have a good defense, he's good enough to win some games and be in the playoffs
1: everything you said is logical rational makes sense the numbers back up everything mike that you said but because it's the jets i still just feel it's going to fail uh... which is based on nothing uh, except for you know, fifty years uh, or forty years of failure by the Jets beyond a couple of Mark Sanchez years and a Chad Pennington season, uh, Mike. Before I yeah. let you go, as a Giants fan, I have to ask you: What is the proper offer for Daniel Jones? What does it look like where the player is not insulted and the team isn't yeah. fully hamstrung? Okay, so
2: everything's done off of uh, what would this player get uh, over the next two years if he was a franchise player, right? I say the same thing kind of for Geno Smith um, in, in Seattle. These guys who've sort of had checkered careers, but it's looked good lately and you're not sure what to do, right? You don't want to go over the top. I think you have to give them enough cash in pocket to make it work their well. So if the franchise tag number is $32 million, you have to give him more than that right now, okay? Whatever that is, the guarantees have to be enough of an incentive to go about that. At the same time as a team, You don't want to be locked in like Denver is to Russell Wilson where you can't make a move for three years, right? So I would want something where effectively it's a three-year deal, something like that, where he does get a lot of guaranteed money up front. We're in it for two years. You know, we can't really, it would be damaging to our cap to get out after just one year. So he gets a little security, but then we have flexibility if in the third year, let's say we've drafted somebody want to go in another direction That's what I'd be looking for, that type of a compromise. And if he doesn't want to do it, then you just franchise tag him.
1: Yep. And then we do it all over again. Hey, Mike, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining the show today. So much going on. Check out the work from The Athletic covering all things Russell Wilson and really every other team in the NFL. Take care, my friend, and we'll chat soon. Hey, thank you. That is Mike Sando from The Athletic. Uh, right before we go to break, picking up on earlier food conversations, someone writes in, come on, Matt, don't you like a nice coleslaw salad loaded with raisins? I do not. That sounds disgusting. Uh, da- David writes in, who doesn't like whipped cream? Craziest thing I've ever heard. We've now discovered producer Nick McVicker doesn't like whipped cream. That is just strange. Dan from Georgetown, how about rice pudding with raisins? Rice pudding underrated, not as bad as you think, with raisins, a hideous, hideous torture of a food. we got to take a break on the other side, my bets for the Leafs game tonight, and why I think they're going to kill the Minnesota Wild. We will get into that right after traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matt Cause. So the Leafs are taking on the uh, Minnesota Wild tonight, and I'm going to put this one in the don't overthink it category. Now, when the Leafs are playing a team that is truly terrible, you get scared. If the Leafs are playing the Bruins or they're in Tampa with a well-rested Andre Vasilevsky, you get scared. But then there's a team like the Minnesota Wild. They're good. They're not a great team was like, wow, the Wild really good on defense. And they are. They're ninth in goals against. The Leafs are fifth. The Leafs are eighth in goals scored. Minnesota is 25th. On the puck line, it's plus 116, which means the Leafs got to win by more than a goal. So you bet 100, you win 116. And why I like this game, beyond the fact that Toronto's the better team, Toronto is at home, this feels like a schedule loss for the Minnesota Wild. This is like their third game in four nights. This is their fifth game in one week. And yes, I know, I know Minnesota—they're on a four-game winning streak, but they beat Columbus. Not that great. Kings are a good team, but you know Dallas and Nashville. I mean, I'm not saying these are like horrible teams, but they're not exactly beating the elite of the elite. And I look at the Minnesota Wild, and aren't they, are, are they about trying to win, or are they about retaining salary? Ryan O'Reilly deal. Minnesota got a fourth-round pick. Why? Because they retained 25% of the salary. Dimitri Orloff traded from Washington to Boston. How do you do that deal with all that money? Well, the Wild, they retained 50% of the salary, And they got a fifth-round pick from Boston. So I look at a Minnesota team that is going to be tired, that's played a lot of hockey on the road in a short period of time, where the mindset from management is we're about draft picks in the future versus trying to win now, taking on a very good Leafs team. Producer Nick McVicker, have I sold you. Leafs on the puck line, plus 116.
0: I think you might have sold me, Matt. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but uh, you got some good, good reasoning behind your bet there. And by the way, yeah. Wild GM Bill Guerin on overdrive mm. later today, four thirty. He will be on overdrive. Oh. So
1: okay, that's a good promo. Hope he's not listening right now, Bill. <laughs> I understand you're doing a smart thing. You know, it's not about you. You can't win the Stanley Cup every year. You're accumulating these draft picks, and all you're doing is having to retain salary. To him, I say you are doing a hell of a job. As for tonight's game, I think Toronto wins. I think they more than win, than, they win by more than one goal, and uh, so I'm going to take the Leafs on the puck line tonight. A word that rhymes with puck that we can't say on air, we're not. But I think uh, the coach of the St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, he doesn't give many of them. Here's him talking about his team. A lot of our best players not doing the job. Or do you think that's the case? I don't know. You'll have to ask them, Jim. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. Not sure why. We have a lot of guys compete. Like there's a handful of guys really competing and doing the job, but again, you know our best players aren't even close. Our, our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. <laughs> Oh, my God. We'd have to expand the amount of hours in a day if Sheldon Keefe said it like that. Now, the Blues have lost four in a row. They've lost, like, you know, if you go and look, nine, they're 11 losses and five wins in the last 16. They get blown up by Ottawa. And, hey, whenever you lose to the Canucks, even if it's an overtime, that's going to cause you to be filled with rage I, I'm wondering today if you are the top players for, uh, actually, my first thought about that is, how do you think Ryan O'Reilly, how he's feeling? He's like, whoa, I got, I got out of there. But if you're, you know, the Robert Thomases, the Braden Shens of the world, how are you feeling today when you're like, wait a minute, ooh, boy, the coach really just lit into us? Like, I got, I got to tell you, Nick, how excited would all the producers be if Sheldon Keefe sounded like that?
0: Um, we'd be excited for like a day and then we'd be really concerned that everyone was leaving.
1: <laughs>
0: right? Content wise, it'd be great, but we'd be concerned <sighs> that the team was not going to be good for a while because everyone would be right. on the way out.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. Short term, that'd be great. Long term, <laughs> exactly. like, oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we... Yeah. No, you're right. It's a good point. Uh, you know, then it's going to be the Maple Leafs getting fourth round picks to retain 38% of some players' salary, yeah. Uh, st- sticking on the theme of coaches, let's hear from the most famous offensive coordinator in uh, in all of bat in all of football. Excuse me. Here is Eric Bieniemy, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, with just a very succinct answer about maybe one day becoming a head coach. Right now, I'm the. The offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Being a head coach, that's something, if that's to happen, it'll take care of itself. I have to be accountable to these men. All right. So all that stuff about being a head coach, we could talk about that next year sometime. Right now, I'm focused on the job at hand. Perfect answer. Absolutely perfect answer. Um, as a Giants fan, I'm hoping New York beats Washington both times next year, 50 to 49. Finally, um, I feel that Jake Muzzin getting shut down for the year, I feel like that story hasn't got as much attention partially because I think we all knew it was coming and it was finally made official a couple of days ago. But let's just hear from the head coach of the Maple Leafs, who does not sound like Craig Berube, talking about shutting down Jake for the year. Yeah, it's you know, it's not necessarily new for us. You're, all, you're always holding out hope that things might settle for him but i knew that it was probably going to be a a real long shot Uh, all that said he has been in this in this facility every day that we've been here Uh, he's at every game he's made most of the road trips with us and that really it just speaks to a his character for wanting to continue to be a part of it, do all that he can to help the team while not playing, while also still pushing himself. And you see him in the gym consistently, and all of those kind of things to to do his do everything that he can in his control. Unfortunately, his body's just not uh, going to allow him to play uh, here this season. And uh, it's a shame, and it gets it just sort of gets forgotten because. We kind of all knew this was going to happen for a long time, but we wish nothing but the best for Muzzin. On the other side, we are going to do the Friday podium, where we look at the top three stories from the past week. And also, there's a Brad Marchand clip, where I know what he's trying to do is just be a troll to Toronto, Toronto fans, Toronto media, Toronto players. But there's actually a bigger picture thing going on. Um, And... It should make you a little bit bummed out for everyone out there that wants hockey players to be more entertaining. Well, I'll tell you about it in just a second. We'll do it after traffic, which is brought to you by Jan Pro, Canada's leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Trust the professionals at JanPro. Visit them today at JanPro.ca. Time now for traffic.
0: This is Gameplay. On TSN 1050. You
1: play to win the game. Embrace the odds. I want winners.
0: Gold, silver, and bronze yogurt lids. It's time for Maddie to own the Friday podium. Now, the bronze are really blue, and they're also the backside of the gold, so no flipping. And give us his top three sports stories of the week.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos. We do it every Friday. It is the Friday podium where we look back at the week that was. What were the stories that we talked about the most, got our interest the most, that captured the most headlines? And I think, for me, my bronze. I'll go back and forth with producer Nick McVicker, my bronze is all things NBA load management and we heard from from people like Charles Barkley say this is a bad thing and it is going to eventually lead to changes in CBA there could be a lockout Adam Silver said I don't got an answer for you But all things related to the NBA and load management and players not being happy and everything that happened to the Brooklyn Nets, that is my bronze.
0: That's a good one. And it's funny because it kind of relates to my bronze. And it is the emergence of a healthy scratch for trade uh, related purposes coming out of the NHL. Because this is something that is brand new. Never really yeah. happened before. I mean, not officially. Like We knew players were held out for other reasons around the trade deadline, but never stated trade-related purposes. So this is something that's new, and I'm okay with it if you're going to make the trade that day. Like, if you're literally in the process of finishing the trade, yeah, keep the player out, whatever. Why are we yeah. doing it for like a guy like Jacob Chickren, who's been out for two weeks now? Why are we doing this?
1: I, I agree. And here's the thing. On its own, in a vacuum, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. By the way, I'm so tired of Jacob Checker. I hope he never gets traded. I hope he plays his entire career Actually, in Actually, I kind of hope
0: he does get traded so we don't have to hear it every year.
1: No, I'm going the other way. Bleep him. Bleep that organization. I'm sick and tired of it. Um, but in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, about the idea of, oh, well, what's or what's the big deal? Oh, what's a big deal? One player just held out for a couple extra days till we trade him. The problem is it's not this. is what it leads to. You know, when when San Antonio, years and years ago, when they were still good, when they were going to take on the Miami Heat nationally televised game when LeBron was still in Miami, and Greg Popovich said, ah, it's a back-to-back, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, don't bother. Don't Don't even travel. Everyone, no one really cared. Like, oh, look at Pop, smart guy, resting his players. And then eventually that led to now. That's my problem with what the NHL is doing, what these players are doing, what the teams are doing, is say, no, or not the players, it's on the team. Don't play. Just sit there until we trade you. It's like, oh, Matt, why are you yelling and complaining? What's the big deal? It's not about this. It's about what it leads to.
0: Absolutely. I my, agree with you, Matty.
1: Yeah. 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 My uh, silver medal is and it, is all things NFL quarterback, whether it's Aaron Rodgers goes into a dark cave, comes out of his dark cave, um, Derek Carr is being wooed heavily by the Jets. Wait, Lamar Jackson, there was one report. Lamar Jackson wants more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. And now the Russell Wilson story coming out that he wanted his coach and GM fired. All things NFL quarterback is my silver.
0: It's a good one, Maddie, especially after the conversation we just had with Mike Sando. Um, yeah. My, got? my silver. Is the NBA dunk contest? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My silver is the uh, lack of effort in the NBA All Star game and it becoming a serious problem. It, it yep. was the biggest story coming off the weekend. Like we we didn't have a whole lot of conversation about. Wow, did you see some of the uh, plays that were made? Or wow, did you see the dunk? Con-? No, the question was, why do the players not care? Like yep. that was that was what it was, and it's not on the players because there's no incentive to play. There's no incentive to try hard when it comes to these games right now because there's more risk of injury than there is of having any payout in the end. So I understand where it's coming from. I just don't like it.
1: There was an interesting take on the other side of this. Amin El-Hassan, who used to be with ESPN and now works for Metal Ark Media and the Dan Lebertard radio show, his issue, and he's mostly he's going to be pro player, but he's like, to all the first and second year all-star players, what are you doing saying you're not going to try hard unless you get paid more money? You're the newbie. You don't know if you're coming back. This is supposed to be an honor. It's kind of an interesting um, other uh, other side. Uh, yeah, and I agree that. I mean, with that
0: take, 100%. Like You should be honored to be there. You should try your best. I, I'm all for that. But as of right yeah. now, the way the game is set up and the fact that it's in the middle of the happen. season and you're risking injury like it's just not gonna happen.
1: I know it stinks. My gold medal is Ryan O'Reilly they make the trade last Friday to bring him here. Uh, he was playing well playing well and then gets a hat trick against the Buffalo Sabres. And Ryan O'Reilly bringing him here, that move Tavares on the wing, so then there's all that conversation. But the Ryan O'Reilly trade is the number one headline for me uh, in the city of Toronto.
0: And it should be, and I knew you were going to go there, so I would have had it on my list. I decided to keep it off to try to get as many stories as we could. My number one story this week is is women's international soccer, let alone what yep. we saw from the Canadians and the labor dispute that was, as well as the She Believes Cup and the Americans doing what they do and winning tournaments. Today, two more French players have said that they yep. will not play in the World Cup after their captain, uh, Wendy Renard, said she was not playing due to mismanagement from the association. That is an issue and the fact that it's not just one club or one nation, it's multiple nations having issues with their management. It says a lot about the current state of women's soccer, and there's a lot of questions that need to be answered ahead of the World Cup, which is five months away. Three players have pulled out for France five months ahead of time because of how they're being treated by their FA. It's an issue.
1: Yep, 100%. Um, that is a massive massive deal all right yeah no that's a that's a good one um all right before we go to break i i uh, i talked about this sound play uh, brad marchand and brad is doing what he normally does he's just trying to stick it to the toronto maple leafs but here's marchand on the leafs on leaf fan on the leafs and how the fans can sometimes overwhelm the players
2: i think anytime you have a canadian fan base uh they're very passionate about their team so you're gonna catch a lot of heat. Toronto fans are probably I'd say the most dominant fan base in, in Canada. Um, so they can get pretty overwhelming. At times actually it's even, you know, even for the players, like they the players um get overwhelmed with how much media backlash and fan backlash they get at times as well. So um, you know, if, if their guys are getting sick of it, then um, you know, sometimes it can get a little overwhelming, but thick skin it's all it's all just social media it's not a big deal
1: so i like what he did there you know he's he's just trying to you know be a troll but then he kind of softens it at the end but but it made me think about you know we're always talking about these all-star games what do we got to do to get uh players to be bigger to be more celebrity uh to bring more entertainment individualism personality to the sport well if brad believes 50 or 60 percent of that That's not a good sign for the NHL. Let me me ask you this. How often do you hear that in the NBA? (gasps) The player doesn't want to be a Laker. Too many fans there. They're crazy there. You never hear that. You never hear NBA player doesn't want to go to the big market because there's lots of fans. It's usually the opposite. They want to go where the biggest fan bases are because there's more of an element of entertainment there's more of an element of just getting out there their own personal brands their personalities to a larger set of eyeballs when you hear that of an eye, oh, I don't want to be a Dallas cowboy oh no 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 don't want to be a, don't want to be a Dallas cowboy too many fans there but we hear this in hockey all the time a player doesn't want to go there why they're going to get overwhelmed by all the attention That is a very hockey thing. We do not hear about that in other sports. And it's funny. I hear that clip from Brad Marchand. I know my reaction is supposed to be, bleep him. You're just doing a troll job. I see right through it. You're not even trying that hard. But for me, Nick, um, I I heard that clip, and my first thought was, have we ever heard in the other sports? And I'm sure there are some examples. I'm sure there are. But it's just not part of the conversation in basketball and football. Uh Uh-oh, I don't want to go there. They got a lot of fans over there. Yeah,
0: I don't know if we've ever heard it in the other sports, but there's always rumblings that that might be the case. I just don't think it's been actually said that way. So have
1: you ever heard one person say I don't want to be a Laker? No, I don't fans.
0: think it's been ever said like outwardly, but there have been some questionable signings, and you're just like, Well, why'd that guy sign there? And that's that's always the thought is that, well, maybe they just didn't want to go to the big market. They prefer oh, yeah, the small I, market, sort of thing.
1: Yes. I I'm sure there is examples. I Right, I, but I yeah, you're not, right. We've never yeah.
0: heard we've never outwardly heard no. it. So I agree with you. It's it's kind of out yeah. there and it's a very it's a very hockey esque thing by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, and again, maybe it's just been a troll job, but that was kind of my first thought. And yes, I don't believe in being an absolutist. I'm sure there are some NBA players that are more happy just being in Minnesota than they would be in L.A.
0: Or, you know, maybe in the NBA, a lot of people are like, well, maybe he can sign in Toronto because they don't, they don't care about the game as much out there, and they can just go about their day. I'm like, that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. <laughs>
1: By the way, good luck, good luck with that. Good luck with that. All right, we got to take a break on the other side. We got sound of the day, but first, time for traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Koss. Happy Friday, everyone. But, again, as uh, we say over and over again, try not to take too much glory about the weekend. It's only two of the seven days of the week. Try to find some joy in Monday because you don't want to wish away time because time is finite, and then eventually we don't exist again forever. Hey, it's a sunny Friday. Hope everyone's out there and enjoying themselves. Uh, by the Way, way to game bring us down <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> in my head, I decided I wanted to go from inspirational to, to something really Debbie Downer, and then immediately go into But, hey, it's a sunny blue day here in downtown Toronto, with the contrast being wildly jarring, and I think I accomplished that. Gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to sound of the day.
0: Sound of the day, sound of the day, here comes the sound
2: of the
1: day. And actually, before we get to the main one, just one more time for me, the Raptors beat the New Orleans Pelicans last night. The star was Jakob Purdle. and the difference this guy is making has been pretty remarkable, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But just give me quick, the Chris Boucher dunk, Matt Devlin, Jack Armstrong on the call, here's how that sounded.
0: Three on one, four on one. Who's she? Oh! He took off in Montreal! He landed in Toronto! Here we come!
1: Incoming! Oh, sure! Dunk contest 2024, baby. <laughs> that was uh, just uh, incredible. From the free throw line, a hell of an in game dunk. But for the other sound of the day, the newest member of the Toronto Raptors, Achari from the St. Louis Blues, talking about his love of cookies.
0: You hear? You like cookies? Love cookies.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite? I'm a
0: big uh, <clears throat> Oreo. I would have, uh, you know, pregame naps. I'll have some Oreo before pregame nap Oreos with my little guy, and well, he calls it cookie time, and <laughs> and we usually that's pretty special to me, and you know, doing that, and so before naps and when I'm having my cookie, whatever it is, I'll face try and get a FaceTime with him and tell him it's cookie time. So.
1: <laughs> no, sorry. A nice fun clip there that led to a lot of yelling and screaming on the show today um, over what is good and bad cookies. And again, if the word raisin is involved, that is a bad cookie. So first, uh, let's uh, let's just go back over again uh, with the Toronto Raptors. So the next Raptors game tomorrow at noon against the Pistons. You could hear it right here on TSN 1050. You also have the Leafs and Wild tonight, and then they play again on Sunday. So that weird Saturday. I mean, the Raptors game's at noon. That's a Sunday. There's going to be just, or Saturday at 7 p.m. It's going to be weird, but the Leafs game after tonight is Sunday at 7 against the Crack in a game also right here on TSN 1050. The Toronto Raptors look like a better team when they, and I don't want to say they scrap, but it's not about them scrapping their formula, but at the beginning of the year, it was they were really going all in with positionalist basketball and we don't have a traditional center, and it just didn't work. It did not work defensively. There was a lot of issues also with the uh, half-court offense. And it's not that Pirtle's a great shooter, but Pirtle is really smart and good at getting close to the basket. There's a reason why he's hit 26 of his last 30 shots. He gives Siakam and Barnes or Fred Van Vliet a target to throw the ball to near the basket, And there's a good chance you're going to get an easy two. And then beyond that, just rim protection, making life harder for big men, taking shots close to the basket, setting screens, creating more open space for other Raptors. Pirtle has been great. The team has won three out of four. He will not continue to put up these numbers. We understand that. 51 points, 27 rebounds, seven blocks in his last two games. This probably represents the high from him statistically, But the ironic part is the Raptors are playing some of their best basketball by going back to a more traditional roster, a traditional starting five versus the positionless where everyone was 6'9 with a seven foot four wingspan with the exception, of course, of Fred Van Vliet. And it's not that the Raptors still aren't doing things a little bit unconventionally in terms of, you know, how much Siakam or Scotty Barnes are going to be oftentimes the primary ball handlers and initiating the offense. It's just, unless you have a LeBron James or a Steph Curry fully embracing positionless basketball, it's not going to work. It'll win you a couple games here or there, but over the long haul, you still kind of need a big man. As for the Raptors, as I said, Detroit on Saturday, and then it's back-to-back. They got Cleveland on Sunday. You know, there are some big Big players on the Cavs on Sunday. So, I mean, Monday show is going to be fascinating because we've got two Leaf games to react to. we got Detroit-Cleveland versus the Raptors to react to. And, Nick, any, any predictions from you? Is Patrick Kane a member of the Chicago Blackhawks on Monday?
0: Yes. I'm going to say he actually stays a member of the Chicago Blackhawks through the deadline. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And, uh, ooh, through the deadline, a little bit more of a, a little bit more uh, of a hot take by you. The Boston Bruins, obviously, are a better team today than they were 24 hours ago, getting Dimitri Orloff in a deal with the Washington Capitals, giving up a bunch of draft picks to get him and Garnet Hathaway um, in the NBA. The Lakers win with LeBron James, only scoring 13 points against a Golden State team without Steph Curry. It was Philly. Joel Embiid looked great, beating Memphis And Joel and uh, Nikolai Jokic, another triple double as Denver beats Cleveland. As for my bets tonight, I'm taking the Leafs on the puck line to beat the Wild. I think they win. I think they win by at least two. And my, let's get nuts bet. Austin Matthews to score two goals. Guy's been a little too quiet. I mean, it's kind of a testament to the team. Maybe were that we're not, that he's not the focus as much and the team's record is basically what it was last year. But I, and I, I know the wild is coming off four games in a row, coming off a shutout, but that was against Columbus. Now they're facing Austin Matthews. That'll do it for me. Everyone out there have a great weekend. Be good. Be safe. Catch you on Monday. Man, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Overdrive is coming up in a mere moments, but first we hit traffic. Tea
0: is for cookie, that's good enough for me.